Are you a pastor or ministry leader? Are you thinking of making a transition from your current ministry position? Before you do, take some time in a quiet place to reconnect with God. Focus on the Family Canada has designed a renewal retreat for couples in ministry. Come visit us at Kareth Retreats, a quiet sanctuary where you can receive from God and deepen your connection to Him, your spouse, and your calling. Find rest, find renewal, find reconnection with God. Find out more at karethretreats.ca. But one of the best things you you can do in a conflict is ask God. Pray. Ask God for wisdom. Ask God to let you hear. Today on Focus on the Family, we'll share insights about how you can improve almost any relationship by learning how to handle conflict well. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Well, I don't know about you, but I can get a bit carried away with a heated discussion. I may have seen <laughs> it once or twice. Argument, <laughs> especially with my wife Jean. Mm. I do uh, tend to get a little competitive, and when you're competitive, you want to win that argument. There's nothing better. And all the guys just said, "Are you serious? That's a losing strategy." Uh, but I feel it. Yeah, and uh, you know, the good thing is to be actively listening to her side of things, affirm her observations. Those are the wise husband moves. And I think I've gotten better over the years, but maybe we should ask her. Well, we have Jean on the line, actually. So no, we'll no, find we out. Keep moving here. We'll find out what she thinks. <laughs> Let's just keep moving okay. and call it a day. Today's guests, Dave and Ann Wilson, have some great ideas to share on how to handle conflict in a positive way. Uh, Dave and Ann are speakers, authors, church founders, and the hosts of Family Life Today Radio. Uh, they've been married for over 40 years and have three grown sons and four grandchildren. And today's content is really a fast-paced, lively presentation. It was recorded several years ago at a Biola University chapel service uh, there in Southern California. Here now, Dave and Ann Wilson on Focus on the Family. Probably the most important thing you need to know when you are in a relationship, whether it's marriage, dating, uh, teammates, anything, any relationship, is how to resolve conflict. Here's what I know about conflict. We never have conflict, but you guys do. And so we decided to talk to you about it. And and here's the thing. What did Jesus say? They'll know you by what? How you love each other, right? Unity. Unity. And so what happens is if if Satan's strategy is to always cause division. And we're passionate about this because it drives us crazy that you go to school all these years to learn a profession. But how many years have you spent learning how to have great relationships? how to love each other. Most of us, and when we do this, most people say, I've never heard anything on how to have great relationships with friends, peers, husband, boyfriend, girlfriend. And so we're passionate about, like, we should learn this stuff so that Satan doesn't get a foothold into our relationships. So here's the first thing. If you're taking notes, you're going to write in your notepad or whatever you're going to do. The first thing you need to know, there's basically four styles or patterns when it comes to conflict. And you fit in one of these. You may do several but you've probably fit in one of these. Write them down real quick. First one is this. Some people want to win the conflict. I call it winner. Conflict happens. They're good at it. They can debate. They usually bring out you know, fingerprint evidence and iPhoto shots and evidence, and they win. They're really good. The, the second style is what I call yield. Some people call it lose, but I call it yield. They yield to the other person because they think the relationship's more important than this specific conflict. So sometimes they just yield to get uh, you know, resolution. The third one is withdraw. And the withdrawer, what they do is they hate conflict, so they just want to get away from it. They don't want to deal with it. They just want to run away from it. They so may they shut, usually yeah, leave, they leave or shut down emotionally. And then the last one is resolve. Some people, and this is what we're going to get to tonight, 
How do you get to resolution? Because everybody, you know this, everybody knows how to have conflict. Everybody. We do, you do, we all do. Let me tell you, less than 10% know how to resolve it. It's scary. Less than 10% actually get to resolution. So, what? I, I was just going to say, now just think, like, what are you? Like, this is really important to know. What's your style? Okay, have that in your head. Yeah, and you guys don't know us. You might have heard us this morning. Some heard us yesterday in class. But take a guess what her style is. Anybody want to guess from this morning? She's a winner. She is really good. She likes to roll up sleeves. Let's talk about this. Let's go right now. And she grew up in a family. That's how they handle conflict. And it isn't always your style is the same as your parents or what you saw, but often you sort of copy that. So she was a winner. Of course, we didn't know any of this when we got married. We just got married. We love each other. It's going to be awesome. And then we started learning this stuff. It's like, oh my gosh, she's a winner. Guess what I am? I'm a withdrawer. Now you heard it. If you were at chapel this morning, you heard at the very end, my story of my family, two alcoholic parents, abuse, divorce, affairs, the whole thing, right? In my family, whenever there was conflict, it got ugly and it ended in divorce. So I grew up thinking, man, you avoid conflict at all costs. You do not, it never works. You don't talk it through. So we get married and, and you know, we're, we're missionaries. We go on staff with crew and we're raising our support back in our hometown of Ohio. Her, we're living with her parents. They're gone for uh, an afternoon and we get in a fight in the house. Nobody's there. The windows are open. Nobody's home, and I get up and start to leave the room. And I don't even know this is what I do, but we're, that's what we're I in did. this huge fight. So he just... I, <laughs> I just literally started to walk out of the room. I'm like, I, I'm not going to talk about this. And I'm but, amazed. Like, and you guys, this is what I say to him. This is so bad. I say, where are you going? Come back here and fight me like a man, you chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Who and says I, that, right? And I'm halfway through the kitchen, and I hear that. And I literally took off. Our, our windows are open. Our neighbors are probably thinking, oh, that's that young missionary couple <laughs> having a fight. It's awesome. I was 22. She was 19. So, she follows me upstairs. He goes I go upstairs. upstairs. He closes the bedroom door to get away from me. I open the door. I go and I sit right down beside him like, we have to talk about this. I'll never forget. I was like, what are you doing? What are you? I mean, I, I was so uncomfortable. You know why? I, I, at that point, I'm married now. I don't know if I'd ever, ever entered into a conflict. I always withdrew. I always got in a car, drove away, broke up with the girlfriend, um, ended the relationship. I'm too good for this. I don't need to. That was my MO. And here we are married, and she's saying, we got to resolve this. Now, here, here's the reason I avoided conflict, not just my family. I had a presupposition that conflict is bad. You avoid it. Was I right? No. I've totally flipped that. Here's what I will tell you. Conflict is good. Now, I'm not saying always like, hey, let's go have a fight tonight. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but I'm saying, man, if you learn some things, even tonight, and we're going to fly really fast, um, and learn how to resolve conflict, you will get to a place in your relationships, romantic relationships, teammates, classmates, family, yeah. better than you've ever been in your life if you will do that. We called it our church, man, and our staff was like, let's roll up the sleeves and go. And that doesn't mean fight. That means let's roll up the sleeves and do the hard work because it's hard work, really hard work to resolve conflict. Because I really always felt like when we get through that conflict, we're better. Like we know each other better. We've talked more and now we know each other. So we've become even better in our relationship. But you never saw it like that before. No, and and I do now. But And I'll tell you this. This is the big truth of this whole thing. There's one big idea. This is basically it. The health and future of your relationship is determined by how you handle conflict. The most important thing for the future and the health of any relationship you have, marriage, relationship, friendship, you name it, is how you handle conflict. So here we're going to go. We're going to give you five S's 
They all start with letter S, and they're two-word statements, five principles. I hope we can get actually all of them done. We'll try our best, but here they are. The first one you need to know, if you're going to resolve conflict, the first S is this, shut up. (laughs) Write it down. You're thinking, what else? That's it. Shut (laughs) up. What do I mean? Shut up and listen. Because often in a conflict, we don't listen. Like what I'm doing right now. I'm not letting her talk. I'm talking, talking, talking. (laughs) And that's what you do in a conflict. You talk, you talk. And when they're talking, all you're doing is you're not even listening. You're just like, would you shut up? You shut up. And you try to jump in. It's like, no, you got to shut up. Don't say a word. Focus in. Turn the phone off. Turn the TV off. Look them in the eye and try to listen for what? The real issue, because the issue is usually behind the problem they're talking about. It may be that, but it's probably something behind that. If you don't listen well, you won't even catch it. So you guys have heard James 1.19, but listen to it now. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to what? Listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. What, what if we lived that out? Honestly, what if we lived it out that we were slow in getting angry, but we were quick to listen? Two ears, one mouth. That should be the ratio. Literally, should be. We should listen twice as much as we speak. Now, do we need to speak in conflict? Yeah, that's the third S. Don't write it down yet. We're going to get there. But the first thing we need to do is shut up, close our mouths, don't try to make our point, try and really listen. And by the way, a lot of listening is not just what they're saying, it's how they're standing, their posture, their, their tone of voice. All that is communicating something beyond just the words. Because here's the truth. Like, because we've raised three sons, and I'm married to Dave, I realize that a lot of times Dave would come home he wouldn't even tell me what he's feeling. Like if I was upset, I would be verbalizing it or I would be crying. I've never come home and Dave's sitting <laughs> on the couch like I had the worst day. <laughs> he just doesn't do that. But he gets quiet. He gets like moody or else he's angry and snappy. So I should be thinking not what is your problem? Why are you being a jerk? <laughs> I should be thinking what happened and what's the underlying issue? Why are you acting like that? So I'll tell you a quick story. I was preaching at our church, I don't know, years ago. Uh, I know how long ago, because our uh, two sons were with you. I'm staying outside our church. Uh, it's right before our last service. We do multiple services on weekend. I see Ann pull up, and there's a parking spot right by the front door. She whips into it real quick. She's late. She and two of our sons get out. Austin was, what, 16? Cody, mean, that means he's 14. They come running up, and uh, they're all excited because they got a really good parking spot by the front door. Well, yeah, because here's, the, here's what happens. So I'm late because our kids are teenagers, and we're late. So I pull She's in. She's blaming the kids. You hear that? Do you notice that? <laughs> Everybody's there, and I see this spot right by the front door. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for my spot. So I pull in. I see Dave like, hey, you're out here. It's sunny. You're greeting everybody. <laughs> and he looks at me. He's smiling. Oh, hey, how you doing, everybody? And then he whispers in my ear, like yelling at me. Go Whisper move. yelling. That's what you just it said. Was, it was like, go move the car right now. I said, move the car now. And she's like, I'm not moving the car. I said, no. I and said, I, God gave me that spot. Said, I'm not moving it. I'm like, God did not give you that spot. I go, Austin, here, move the car. And Austin's like, no, I'm not moving I, the car. I, I stood in front of Austin like this. And I'm, no, and no I'm, Austin, don't move the I'm, car. I'm literally in front of the church going, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Welcome to church. Go move the car. <laughs> it was like, what are you doing? And then I'm like, I got to go in and preach. You get that car moved. And I took off. And I go in, and I'm up there preaching. I can see her sitting in the back. Oh, and I'm sitting in the back like this, like, I can't stand the pastor of this church. <laughs> <laughs> and I can tell she's thinking that. Every time I, my head went that way, I'm like, you know, giving her the look like, this isn't finished, you know. And uh, so I get home later. Now, here's what you don't know yet, right? You're, you're probably thinking, what's the deal, dude? Why are you asking her to move the car? Okay, I'm going to give you my side of the story, right? It's no good. It's good. 
<laughs> it's the truth. And, I, and th- this is the reality. We started our church 25 years ago. So we're the founders, right? And when you're the founders of a church, you get to set the values. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but one of our core values to this day, 26 years later, is we leave the best parking spots in the church for the unchurched that aren't there. We leave them. We, our members, literally, we have, raise your right hand. I'm going to park across the street. I'm going to park in the back. There's no Pastor Wilson spot by the front door. I, I'm not saying churches can't do that. We just don't. Those spots are left for the people but that we are trying to reach. They were already there. They were not they there. They were already there. I was late, and so they were already inside. So my wife, the pastor's wife, takes the best spot. I'm like, no, you've got to move the car. Okay, anybody with me? Nobody's Look at with the guys you. are. The guys Good. are. Look at some of them are. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I got one. Right, we're not I got done one. yet. You keep going. Okay. All right. So I get home after preaching, right? And and sometimes conflicts are going for hours. That doesn't we always happen. We could resolve it then. Yeah, we could. So I walk in the door. I mean, I'm not kidding. I walk in the door after that last service. I walk in. The second I see her in the kitchen, I'm like, I cannot believe you parked there. What are you thinking? So we start yelling at each other. And we don't yell often, but yeah, we were yelling we, then. Like we... We speak around the country on this stuff, so we we're experts. We know the skills, but we didn't care at that point. <laughs> we're just yelling at each other, and so I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're so angry about it." And by the way, neither one of us are listening <laughs> yeah, at all. We're shutting up. The very first principle I'm telling you, and so it gets so bad that my son Cody, he's now on our staff. Okay, so he's 25, married. He was 14, baby. Yeah. Sitting at the end of the kitchen table. I'm at the other end. We're going at it. And Cody goes like this. He goes, hey, Dad, don't you and Mom, like, speak around the country on how to, like, resolve conflict? And I go, yeah. He goes, could you maybe show me? You know, maybe you, know, you could do it. This, this isn't looking real good. And I remember going, you sit right there, young man. This, you watch this whole thing. And so I go at it. And she actually leaves and goes oh, I upstairs. I was so mad. And I was like, yeah, you should. You know you're wrong. Go upstairs. So, and I end up going upstairs. It's, have you ever, do you do this? Like the fight's going on and you're building your case in your head. Do you know what I mean? Like you're going through like, this is what I'm saying. And this is why I'm so right. So I come downstairs. Like I am, I come down. It's like, all right, here it is. So he's sitting there like, here's the truth. I do everything around here. I go to church by myself all the time. You're here speaking, and you're here speaking, and you're doing this. I'm here at home mowing the grass, and I'm fixing the cars, and I'm changing the oil. I snowboard, and I wakeboard just to be with the guys. And I'm cleaning, and I'm doing your laundry. And if one time there's a spot that Jesus gives me, I should get to park there. Right? Yes, hey, girl! Hey. There's guys actually clapping, too. Man, we're together here, man. They're like, you, you're toast, dude. I mean, I'm sitting there. I'm not kidding. She says this little speech, you know, right by, by the door. And Cody, again, looks at me right at the end of this thing. He gave me the look just like you guys. He's like, Dad, dude, you lost this one. I mean, it was like, look at what she said. Now, here's what happened. Here's the amazing thing that I didn't tell you yet. When she went upstairs... I was initially like, yes, you, you know, we can't even talk right now. But she was upstairs for like 15 minutes. Building Cody's eating and I'm sitting there. And so here's what I did. While she was gone, I calmed down a little bit. And I said this, I prayed. Just a quiet prayer. And I said, God, what am I missing? What am I not seeing? Help me to see what's really going on. So when she comes down, right? I'm not even hot anymore. She comes down. She does this whole little thing. Cody gives me the look, and I say this. 
I go, let me ask you a question. I said, do you feel like Kensington, that's our church, do you feel like Kensington is more important to me than you are? And that's all she did. Yeah. She shook her head, and I knew right then what the issue was. I finally listened. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. God discourages co-signing for a loan. Proverbs 17, 18 says, It is poor judgment to guarantee another person's debt. Generally, most of the time, the co-signer ends up having to pay the debt, which is no surprise as the lender requires the co-signer because they believe the borrower is not creditworthy. I personally never co-sign for anyone. If it is a friend or relative who has a real need, I will pray, and if directed by the Lord, I will give them the money. Another option is this, if you're led by the Lord, is to lend them your own money with Jesus' mindset of lend and expect nothing in return, Luke 6.38. If you give or lend them the money, expecting nothing in return, then even if the borrower defaults on the loan, you will not be subject to legal action from a bank and your relationship with the borrower should remain intact. In summary, do not co-sign, but rather if God directs you, and assuming that you can afford to, consider giving or lending your own money. To learn more, check out copelandfinancialministries.org. Make your strong marriage even stronger with Focus on the Family Canada's new marriage enrichment conferences and retreats. Based on the proven, biblically-based principles that come directly out of the Hope Restored Marriage Intensive Counseling Program, these principles provide couples with practical tools to create a more vibrant, intimate, and loving marriage. For registration details, call 1-833-TO-ENRICH or visit enrichyourmarriage.ca. That's 1-833-TO-ENRICH or visit enrichyourmarriage.ca. Welcome back to Focus on the Family. Let's go ahead and return now to more from Dave and Ann Wilson. But one of the best things you, you can do in a conflict is ask God. Pray. Yes. Ask God for wisdom. Ask God to let you hear. Um, I, I was not letting God in this thing until that moment, and I finally said, okay, God, I need your help. I need to see what's really going on. And right there it was. So I realized in one second, this whole thing was never about a parking spot. It was about her not feeling cherished and a priority in my life. Now, I said this yesterday at the marriage class, but years ago, I would have argued with her that she shouldn't feel that way. That's an immature person not understanding how to resolve conflict. You, what do you mean you feel like Kenzie's is more important? It's, that's what I would have done. And I knew now, if she feels like the church is more important than her, the church is more important than her, whether I agree or not. It doesn't matter. If I, I, in my heart, I was like, there's no way, not even close, that Kensington's more important to you. But she feels that way, so I didn't even say, there's no way. I just said, oh my gosh, I'm wrong. Not you're wrong, I'm wrong, right? And yeah. so finally, I shut up enough to hear and now we can go somewhere. Hmm. But, by the way, she's never parking there again, okay? That's just the way it is, right? Right, honey? Maybe he doesn't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but let me tell you something. And we've, we've got five S's to go. We just covered one, but that first one is Huge. so key. And we're not even saying they're in any certain order. But if you never listen, you'll never get to step two. And step yeah. two, we just illustrated for you, is soft answer. Hmm. If the first one is... Uh, shut up and listen. The second one, soft answer. What happened when she came down and she did her little deal? Did I yell back? No. I tenderly and quietly asked a question. Do you feel like? And that tone 
changed the whole conversation. Mm-hmm. Because Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. So if you're escalating, it will continue to escalate. But if someone then goes down, the whole situation... Every time. Somebody down. escalates, the other one escalates. Somebody goes down. It is hard to yell at somebody that's real gentle. You can do it, but you're an idiot. You really are. And everybody knows it. You're like, dude, what is up? There's a real problem there. But when somebody de-escalates, it tends to de-escalate the conflict. Not always, but usually it does. I was, one time I pulled out of our subdivision uh, to go to work, and uh, there was a car coming sort of quick, and I thought I had time, and I pulled out, and as I did it, I realized he was coming really fast, and I cut him off. And so I did the, I don't know if this happens in California, it happens in Detroit. I'm like, oh, I could be killed right now. <laughs> I look in the mirror, and he was really upset. And it's a one-lane road, so he's going to be behind me for a couple miles before there's a couple. So I keep looking up there, and he's just going off. It's really cold, so all the windows are up, but I can read every word. And so finally, about two miles later, we get up to a light, and I pull in this lane, and I'm like, is he going to pull up? He pulls up right beside me. And I, you know, I'm like, you know, you do the thing, should I even look, right? I'm just, I'm not going to look. And I can see in my periphery, <laughs> I can see it, you know? And I'm like, okay, I, I got to look because, you know, he may be wanting to jump out of his car. So finally I turn and he is like this, like slobber on his, wind- and the windows are still up, but I, I just go like this. I go, sorry, my bad, sorry. You should have seen it. This guy's like, oh, hey, no problem. <laughs> that's exactly oh yeah that's cool we're cool they drove off de-escalate right i mean i mean it was a perfect example of what we're talking about yes. if you're in a conflict that's going to help and here, here's the thing in a conflict when it's escalating somebody has to de-escalate here's the question for you who should make the first move somebody said the gentleman here's a great answer and i think you've had the egregious speak out here haven't you uh, Emerson, anyway, there were a book called Love and Respect. They said in this book, they said, here's the answer to that question. Who should make the first move in a conflict that needs to de-escalate? How about this for an answer? He who is most mature make the first move. Boom. Because you know what you're thinking? They should. You know, I'm right, so they should. Now he says, whoever's most mature make the first move. Mm-hmm. So if you make the first move, that's because you are actually being more mature than them and say, you know, I could keep yelling, but I'm not going to. We've got to move this thing toward resolution, and I will make the first move. And it's hard. Mm. Sometimes you don't want to make the first move. Mm-hmm. But that's really the, the second S is just, um, uh, what was it? <laughs> I'm going to check you out. Okay, first one was shut up. Second one was soft answer. Third one, speak truth. Speak truth. We talked mm. about it a little bit already. But speak the truth in love. Speak the truth. The truth needs to be spoken. That's often hard, but it needs to be packaged in a context of love. And I think that's what happens. We don't package it because some of you are great. You're totally good at speaking the truth. You're all about speaking the truth. This is me. Like, I can speak the truth. I feel like it's my gift today when I speak the truth. (laughs) And some of you, though, like when it says speak the truth in love, some of you are so loving that you feel like you don't want to hurt this person. And so you won't speak the truth. But sometimes the most loving thing you could do is speak the truth. And so what I used to do is I feel like I'm going to tell Dave everything. So I would just say it. Instead, what I've realized now is I have to ask God first, should I even say it? God, will this help our relationship? And then if I feel like I should, I need to package it in a way that Dave will receive it. You know, it's interesting. John Gottman, when he talks about speaking the truth, he, he uses a word that he looks for when he analyzes couples that are arguing. He says, I look for contempt. You know what contempt is? I'll read you his quote. He says, contempt is the single best predictor of relationship breakdowns. 
He defines contempt as an attitude of superiority speaking down to your, your friend through name-calling or direct insults. You know what contempt is? Arrogance. I'm better than you. You may not say it. You can feel it. And Gottman's saying you can just smell it. It's like, oh my gosh, there's contempt here. It isn't just an argument. There's contempt. And so they're speaking the truth, but they're speaking it with arrogance, with contempt. And when you see that, it's big trouble. Okay, we got to keep, keep flying. Um, how many we got? First one is shut. Up. Second one is soft. Yes. Third one, speak. Truth. Fourth one is, what is it? Solve or sleep. <laughs> Here's what it is. Solve the conflict, and if you can't, go to sleep and solve it tomorrow. Now, some people will say, no, 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 that's not biblical. The Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Anybody know that one? Ephesians what? Ephesians 4.26. Write it down. Go look it up. We were told when we got married, that was a literal verse that it meant you can never go to sleep with a conflict in your marriage. So you have to resolve it before. It would be three in the morning and Dave is like falling asleep. I go, how can you fall asleep? This is so important. Like you don't even care about our relationship. And I'm like, the sun went down hours ago, you know? (laughs) I mean, and we really were mentored and told it's literal. Can I just tell you? It's not literal. (laughs) It's a principle. I mean, if you start the conflict at 9 p.m., the sun's down. You got till tomorrow, okay? It's not literal, but it is a principle. It says solve it quickly. Don't wait a week. Don't wait a month. Don't wait till next Christmas. Because some of you are avoiders. So you're like, oh, yeah, we'll solve it in a week. And you hope it never comes up. So we usually say 24 hours. If you have a friend or a teacher or a boyfriend, girl, like solve it within 24 hours. Yeah, if you're working on it and you can't get the resolution, sometimes you just need to say, okay, let's talk tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., noon, whatever. And sometimes, especially for guys, we need more time to process. It's not always true for men and women, but I do. Sometimes she's like, what are you thinking? I'm like, I don't know. I really don't know. How can you not know? I don't know. You know, can we talk about, and it's like tomorrow, I'm like, oh, I do know. I really do know. This is what I was feeling, and we can get somewhere. And sometimes we can resolve it before we go to bed, but many times we schedule the next day, and the best relationships resolve it the next day. They don't wait a week. They resolve the next day. But if you can solve it right now, do it. We're going to have to end this presentation right there from Dave and Ann Wilson, and our thanks to Biola University in La Mirada, California, for allowing us to use this terrific message on Focus on the Family. The Wilsons went on to talk about the importance of seeking forgiveness for past hurts and the ultimate importance of surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ, and we'll include that great content on the listener's CD. We'd also recommend that you get a copy of their book, Vertical Marriage, uh, from us here at Focus on the Family Canada. The book is a very honest look at the key secret that brought Dave and Ann back from the brink of divorce and enabled them to enjoy over 40 years of marriage. And let me encourage you to make a monthly pledge to support the work of Focus on the Family Canada to strengthen and save marriages across Canada. That's the best way to help us uh, even out the ups and downs of the budget throughout the year. Yeah, call us and uh, make a donation as you can and request your copy of Vertical Marriage, uh, that book by the Wilsons, and uh, make a generous donation as you can. By the way, we have a CD with extra content that will include when when you request that book, our number is 800-232-6459, 800-the-letter-A-in-the-word-family, or donate and request those resources at focusonthefamily.ca. 
And when you're online with us, uh, do your marriage a favor and take our quick free online assessment. You'll discover the strengths and, yes, the weaknesses of your relationship. And then you'll be directed to helpful articles for those weaker areas that you can work on. Over a million people have already taken the assessment and benefited from it. So come check it out today. Yeah, look for that marriage assessment when you stop by focusonthefamily.ca. Next time, a unique perspective on mental health. The church, in a sense, is the answer, in my mind, to mental health problems because people are going there first. Uh, This is a divine opportunity that God's given us, and we have to be more aware. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.